If you think crypto or NFTs are a scam, you are a complete idiot. Why would Elon really make it to this podcast? Sure, they're hot. Sure, they're big. Sure, they have a platform. But it's like, why him? And for me, personal opinion, it's like, hey, this is the last part of the entertainment. Like, here, welcome to the circus. Keep watching this. While there's real shit going on behind the scenes that you guys have no clue what the hell is going down. It's like, here's your last batch of entertainment before shit really hits the fan. No, no, All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. We're here, Pariso. We got Alex again. What's going on? How you guys been? Good. I just went to a dope concert, Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's a bit of an oldie band, but it was nice. It was really nice, like in upstate New York. So you went and you listened to a bunch of old guys singing. Yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> Momoa, let's let's talk about it for a second. You never heard of Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I feel like that's a pretty like known uh known band like that september song like jamming to that you know they're legendary but uh uh mo doesn't live under a rock but uh i guess in this case he doesn't know earth went in fire it's all good never have i ever heard about these guys i have a pretty good heard about them last week i'm not missing out on anything but uh (laughs) besides the point i have heard about a lot of crazy things going on in the space this week though so we definitely got a lot to talk about one of yes, the hottest subjects covered in the newsletter today was Dave Porno. You guys see what's going on? Yeah, fucking hilarious. Dave Pornoy, founder of Barcelona Sports, wakes up to a guy at his door with a lawsuit saying, Hey, you told me to buy Safe Moon, or you indicated to me that you bought Safe Moon. So I bought Safe Moon. I lost my money, and now I'm suing you. Pornoy came out. He's like, I do not give a flying. F what you did. I've never been paid by these guys. I did not tell you to buy it. And I put in $40,000. That's now worth $4,000. So how does that make me eligible for this fucking lawsuit? Which I find is pretty hilarious. Uh, And from what I've seen, it's not the first time, right? Like Dave Porno, I remember when he used to do these live streams, he used to always just like go bonkers. Like he'd be screaming and yelling and he'd be like, safe moon. Bitcoin, he's like, Doge, what the hell is Doge? And, uh, <laughs> I find it really interesting and funny, honestly, to see what's going on. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, this lawsuit is a joke. I think it's going to get thrown out. Like, there's really no standing here. If you watch the video where he talks about Safe Moon, he's like, I don't know, it might be a scam, might be a Ponzi, who knows? I'm just buying it. Like, he's not giving any financial advice. If anything, like, this is a, like, great case of, like, do your own research. Um, yeah, like, what are you going to sue him for, for saying publicly that he invested in something that's not against the law? And, like, even before Safe Moon, I don't know if you guys remember when he invested in Bitcoin, <laughs> he put a million dollars in Bitcoin and took it out after a week because he couldn't handle the volatility. Like, if you're taking crypto advice from Dave Portnoy, it's on you. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty. Portnoy is a funny guy. I've ran into him a few times here in Miami at dinner and stuff. And uh, he's definitely quite the character for sure. Uh, I think yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he's a funny guy. I think also what people don't understand is the guy that was knocking on his door at seven a.m. isn't the guy suing him. That's just the guy summoning him to court. Like that's just someone's job. Don't kill the messenger. But stupid ass lawsuit for sure. Yeah, I also seen actually Safe Moon was like they actually did their own lawsuit as well, saying like he pretty much ruined their reputation. 
Which is funny because they said like he's complaining about his funds and safe moon going from 40k to 4k. And they're like, it's because he hasn't updated his wallet. And then he updated his wallet and his funds went down to $400. <laughs> no, I'm dead. <laughs> I mean, he talks about that he didn't like take any endorsements. He didn't take any like initial capital from SafeMoon. Like he wasn't given any tokens like to like promote the the coin. So it's like he just you know is he's kind of a degen. You know, he just he likes to gamble. You know, he owns that gambling uh you know company with Penn. So uh, you know he <laughs> you know he obviously just throws money around and hopes it goes up. But he's kind of the kiss of death, isn't he? You know, when he you know got into Bitcoin, it went down, and then he sold because he panicked, and then you know right after he sold, it went up. So it's like I guess do whatever the opposite that Portnoy does, and I guess you might be all right. <laughs> yeah, that definitely looks like it. It's like uh, was it Kathy Wood as well that sold like a lot of Coinbase a few weeks yeah. ago? Yeah, like Kathy Wood, literally, right? Um, People obviously love and hate her with ARK Investments. And recently, like over the last, I think, like specifically over the last year, somebody's been publicly doing the opposite of what Kathy Wood's doing, right? Hmm. Kathy Wood goes ahead, she sells, I forgot the exact amount, but a lot of money, right? A lot of money. I think it was a few billion. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Of stock in Coinbase, literally at the bottom of the barrel, like sixty bucks worth, and she had bought it at like hundred and sixty-five bucks or something like that. And literally, as soon as she sells it, <laughs> Coinbase goes up hundred percent. And they announced obviously that partnership with Blackstone, which I found honestly pretty pretty uh, interesting, especially in times like this. Did you guys get a chance to take a look at that? Yeah, so with the Kathy Wood story, so basically her company Arc Invest just offloaded 1.4 million shares in Coinbase, and that was right before the news of the partnership with BlackRock. I know Coinbase has another partnership with Meta and another one with Bill Murray. So yeah, it is interesting that she offloaded her shares right before these announcements that made Coinbase shares literally rocket. They mooned right after these announcements. But something Alex showed me, which is very interesting, and I think this is what influenced the ARK Invest decision to offload Coinbase, is this graph. I'm going to share it with you guys. Um, but basically, it's a graph looking at the history of the S&P 500 over the months of the year between 1937, 2000, and 2008. And there's a pretty predictable pattern there where you see sky it's skyrocketing and then dumping. And I think she offloaded her shares right before the dump that's about to come. Um, I mean, Coinbase is doing well now, but I think it is going to bleed just like every other company in the space. Yeah, I, I totally this, agree. Is that the graph that uh, I sent you, Alex? Or you sent me? Uh, no, this, this, is the, this is the graph I sent you. It's of the, okay. the comparison chart of the S&P 500 from the years 1937, 2000, which was the dot-com bubble. 2008 was the financial crisis. And then just... 20, the 2020 also uh, uh, the pre-COVID dip or whatever. So it, it, we're, we're looking at, uh, it's not looking too good for, after September, which you did call though. I mean, I remember you saying uh, earlier last week, you're saying I'm going to predict a good August, a decent September, but after that, it's going to shit. And uh, that chart really uh, definitely indicates that. Um, also, Elon Musk sold off, I think, $6.8 billion worth of Tesla shares. So it's like, okay, Kathy Wood sold a bunch of Coinbase uh, shares and then now Elon Musk falls. So they're very intelligent people, obviously good investors. 
So I have to think that they probably predict the economy and markets are not going to be looking too pretty in a few months. So they're probably just, you know, allocating their portfolio properly until then. Um, but like you said, Mo, the BlackRock partnership's huge. I mean, they control uh, $10 trillion worth of assets, which is unbelievable amount of money. It's like, how do they get to that point? But they have such a powerful influence over the stock market that, you know, the fact that even if they allocate less than 1% of their portfolio to crypto, they're going to still move the crypto markets substantially. So it's huge for crypto. And it shows that, you know, a major company like that shows conviction in the space, believes in the product. And now partnering with Coinbase, it shows that they really, uh, you know, trust and value Coinbase's product in ex as an exchange. Yeah. So here's another thing that's interesting, right? BlackRock does a partnership with Coinbase. Elon sells $6.8, $6.9 billion worth of Tesla. The CEO of BlackRock goes out and sells $20 million worth of BlackRock shares, right? And uh, one thing I'm personally seeing is a lot of like contradicting actions versus narrative that's going on in the market right now, which I think is really confusing for a lot of people. I mean, it's, it's still confusing for people, obviously, in our situation. But I'm curious. Well, I'm not curious. I think we're definitely going into a very dangerous zone. And that's why you're really seeing a lot of these smart investors offload, obviously, their risk on assets and start loading up more cash because they know they're going to have a better opportunity or maybe they have a feeling they're going to have a better opportunity to re-enter the market with a way better price point. But at the same time, it's very contradicting because the narrative that we're trying to push as a country like that you see is like, hey, like today the CPI came down. Okay, inflation is slower, right? But has the macro changed at the market? Like what's really actually changing? So it's really interesting to see like a lot of these uh, influencers versus a lot of these actual like smart money investors versus like traders in crypto and, and these macroeconomics all kind of talk about different angles of what's going on in the situation. But I think, uh, again, going back to that chart that we uh, talked over uh, not too long ago is like, I think we're definitely doing. And I think uh, it's coming a lot sooner than people think. And I think we're just one trigger away from seeing, obviously, that recession or that pullback in the market come like tremendously. So what does this mean for you guys? Are you guys pulling out your funds personally or what? Um, I sent Eric a picture the other day of my portfolio or at least one of my portfolios. And I was like, hey, what do you think? <laughs> Just to test him. And he's like, bro, <laughs> looking at the amount you have, it's like, I have no jurisdiction telling you, obviously, like <laughs> what you should do. But he was like, I break it down like this. Do you think, obviously, you can re-enter and buy the same exact assets at a cheaper price? And I think I can. I think... For me in a situation where I am now, it's like I've seen my portfolio come down tremendously. I don't want to see it come down even more. So I'm just more comfortable just pulling out uh, at least the majority of it. And I think it's just a smarter thing to do. Like funny story, right? Over the weekend, I went to a, I went to a birthday uh, event for my friend, Kevin David. Shout out Kevin, best guy on earth. Honestly, I like that guy a lot. Um, at the party, there was a few good people. One of them was actually the CTO of BlackRock. I didn't get to talk to him too much, but it was pretty interesting, obviously, just hearing his thoughts. And he was like, uncertainty. He was like, if there's one, like, because 
he got asked the question. Obviously, there was a few guys like talking in a circle. He got asked the question, hey, like, what do you think is going to happen over the next few months? Like, are we going into a recession? His answer was super simple. It was like, uncertain. That's it. Right. Then I speak to obviously like somebody uh, that was also at the event, uh, Joe, that I had met, a founder who just exited his company for about $500 million. And he's like, I sold at the perfect time. And now I'm getting ready to actually rebuy the company or start allocating some of the money that I have into the market as soon as the opportunity comes. So it's like when I hear people like that saying things like that, it means that, hey, like right now you just sit on the sideline. You sit on the sideline. You let the dust settle. You see what's going on with the market until there's a clear direction. Right. Because right now I think we're sitting in a danger zone where a lot of people get caught up. It's like you're halfway in and halfway out. And you don't know what direction you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. I think also like it's a good reference point. We talked about this a few episodes ago, but how the emotions respond to what the market's doing. So uncertainty usually means, especially retail investors are pulling out. And as you pull out, as the masses are pulling out, that's just going to cause further capitulation. So yeah, you're right. It's better to watch the dust settle and figure out where we are in the market rather than making emotional decisions. So I think it is smart to, you know, pull out a certain amount, but don't pull out a hundred percent or leave everything in a hundred percent. It's better to make a smart diversified decision. Um, but I do think it's a little bit concerning that Elon Musk and the CEO of BlackRock are pulling out crazy amounts of money. Like that to me seems like they know something that we don't. Um, whatever that may be, but it's, it's a little bit concerning. We also got to remember Elon Musk has a massive business to run. So, you know, he's probably anticipating a bearish market. He's like, okay, I'm going to walk away 6.7 billion. I got to, that'll last me for a certain period of time, which is how he's looking at it. Likely he's like, okay, I need a certain amount of liquidity and capital to just keep what I got going afloat. And I predict that the market will turn around at a certain time. So he's, he's obviously, you know, planning ahead. Um, so that, that, that's my thoughts. And in terms of, in terms of me, 99% of my, uh, portfolio is in crypto, but as of two months ago, I basically liquidated into all stables, but 97, 96 cents, I'm, I'm turning to fiat. Uh, that's just my, is like, I, we saw the whole UST, uh, you know, Luna Terra, uh, collapse. And I, I don't think, uh, Tether or USDC will, will fail, but you know, nothing is of, a, of certainty. Nothing's ever a lock. So if it goes to 96, 97 cents, that's when I'll, you know, consider to, you know, liquidate to fiat currency. Yeah. And just to touch on that point one more time, like there's a lot of signals that there's bad, uncertain outcomes coming into the market. And you can see that because there's a lot of delusion happening as well. Right. For example, Elon Musk topic. The reason why they are saying Elon Musk is selling that amount of shares they're diluting that fact that he sold that much shares because he might have to buy Twitter, right? And then because he might have to buy Twitter, he has to have cash ready, right? So that's one part. And then you have like another part that, again, shout out to the Nelk Boys for having that podcast with Elon. But when I take a look at a podcast like that, I see it as like a bad wake up call, right? Because one of the most wealthy people in the world, Elon Musk, has no business being on a podcast. That's most of his audience are kids in college who get drunk, right? So it's like, what would really make sense? Like, what? why would Elon really make it 
to this podcast. Sure, they're hot. Sure, they're big. Sure, they have a platform. But it's like, why him? Why them? Right. And for me, personal opinion, it's like, hey, this is the last part of an entertainment. Like here, welcome to the circus. Keep watching this while there's real shit going on behind the scenes that you guys have no clue what the hell is going to happen. And it's like, here's your last batch of entertainment before shit really hits the fan. So like when I see things like that, and and again, these are conversations that I, I continue hearing, like with the people I'm around and, and the alpha chats and, and, and the people I follow, like the smart people I follow. And it's like, yeah, it's it's about to go down. It's just a matter of when. Dude, that's so smart, man. You say that that's like such good psychology. I actually didn't think of that. And that actually like makes total like sense from a psychology standpoint is that, you know, like you said, he's just trying to have the fun before the shit really hits the fan. And he's trying to kind of keep everything kind of light and kind of keep everyone, you know, happy go lucky sort of thing. But uh, the calm before the storm, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, watching that interview was painful. Like the Nelk boys were asking the dumbest questions to Elon Musk. And I was sitting there like, this is ridiculous. Like it made no sense. And now that you say that, it really opened my eyes up to the distractions. Maybe we should watch out for more. There's probably going to be more. Um, But I think what we're not talking about and we should be talking about is that institutional investing, they're looking for the deals in crypto. They're looking for the huge dips, the red days, the price gouges. And that's what we're seeing. That's why BlackRock is coming in now. That's why Coinbase has all these partnerships coming up now, because the institutions aren't going to invest when we're at all time highs. They're going to invest when they know they can get a good deal because they're investing at levels unprecedented to us as retail investors. So I think I think institutions are looking for the deals and retail investors are pulling out, which is not what they should be doing. They should be looking for the deals, same as the institutional investors. I kind of have a theory, conspiracy theory. This is kind of a thought that I, the the last year that I've been telling some people, just kind of my take is that, um, you know, the crypto markets were booming at one point. And I feel like there's a lot of institutional investors that were late to the party that were like, oh, we didn't believe it initially. Like BlackRock in, I think, 2017 said, you know, crypto is a scam and now they're joining it. So I think a lot of people were late to the party, a lot of big dogs. And so as a result of that, they kind of hit up their buddies and be like, hey, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, cause the market to tank. Like they hit up their whales and say, hey, just, you know, cause a sell sell off and then I'll get it in a favorable price and then I'll take care of you later. So that's kind of my personal conspiracy theory that I kind of have is that all these big whales and big companies are just kind of colluding together to kind of just lower the price so their buddies can get in at a favorable entry point. Yeah, probably. And I I think it's a signal also that when you see big money, like we're under I think we're underselling how important this BlackRock deal is. BlackRock is the largest asset management firm in the world. Every company you can think of, Google, Netflix, Facebook, I mean Meta, like every company you can think of, they have a significant share in. And so they're going to be able to manipulate markets. They already do it in the stock market. They're just going to do it in crypto as well. But I think we should talk more about regulation because something big happened where Tornado Cash was just sanctioned by the U.S. government. I don't know what you guys think about that. I know I definitely have my own take, but I'd like to hear what you think about that sanctioning. Yeah, like Tornado. Okay, so here's my take. Tornado Cash, obviously, again, sanctions were applied by the U.S. Yesterday, today, we covered in the newsletter, somebody literally went to troll that sanction and they started sending out random amounts of ETH to a bunch of celebrities. 
right? What does that mean? It means Tornado Cash is obviously a decentralized place where it was built for people to be able to send money and obviously clean crypto money one way or another. And it's going to be very hard to sanction it. But what I get from the message is obviously that, hey, the U.S. and the government is trying to start enforcing some of these bad actors or these bad tools that are in the crypto space that may help obviously regulate it, right? Because there's so many different things to regulate. And I think it just starts with, okay, how can we first try to avoid all of these bad tools that the bad actors in the space are using? And then from there now that we've identified what's good and what's bad, how can we start regulating that? I want to bring up a point. I saw a, a chart that we'll put up that, uh, the amount of stolen funds and uh, illicit uh, actions that uh, involve Tornado Cash. And so 10.5% of all the transactions on Tornado Cash are from stolen funds. And there's 2.1% that is considered other. So that could be indicated as like, you know, black market stuff or just uh, illegal activity. So the majority of uh, Tornado Cash is used for legitimate purposes. You know, majority of it, almost 50% of it's used for DeFi. and, and central exchanges account for almost 18% of it. So, so it's, it's a lot of, you know, good people use tornado cash, you know, like for example, Vitalik used tornado cash to donate to the Ukraine relief fund, you know, during the, you know, the Ukraine war. And he's doing this because he doesn't want to create enemies with Russia. You know, if he sends his address, his public address and just to another address without using tornado cash, he could become a target and identified and be, you know, by Russia. So by using tornado cash, He's able to uh, anonymously donate and doesn't have to look, worry about looking over his shoulder. I don't. Okay, yeah, I don't fucking get that because if you want to be anonymous, donating to Ukraine, why are you tweeting that you did that? That's not anonymous. <laughs> well, he said like, he donated, but you don't know what wallet he sent it from. You don't know who he sent it to, so that kind of creates that uh, beauty in that regard. That he's he's admitting, but he doesn't t- he doesn't tell you how much he sent. He just said he sent it out and he used Tornado Cash. Yeah, I think. okay. so I have a couple points here. First, I think we need to like discuss what Tornado Cash actually does, which is you send crypto funds into it and then it disperses it into a bunch of different wallets. So you don't know where it comes from and it pulls it into a pool that sends it back out. So I think as Americans, they have a hard time understanding why you would need this, why you would need this if you're not doing something illegal. Right. Like, why do you need to be anonymous if you're not doing something illegal? What's the need for it? And I think the need for it is existent in a lot of other countries like China, India, Iran, Syria, like Russia, any country where there's an authoritarian regime where you could be gone, you could be sent to jail just for funding something or doing some type of business transaction. That's where the anonymity has value. I think it's harder for Americans to understand that. My second point is that 10% is a lot. 10% of laundered money on the whole app is a lot of fucking money. So I don't think that's like a small statistic to just brush over. That's a lot of money. And you have to take it from the perspective of the government. You know, so I looked at the Treasury website and I looked at their statement on this. Okay. And they're, according to their findings, $7 billion has been laundered since 2019 when Tornado Cash was invented, okay? $7 billion. It's not a small amount of money. 
And half a billion of that was stolen by the Lazarus Group, which is directly correlated to North Korea. And we know that for a fact. As the U.S. government, why would you allow your number one enemy state, North Korea, to get half a billion dollars in funding through this app? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't serve our national interest. It's not about a tool. It's not about, oh, Tornado Cash can make crypto anonymous. It's about national security. If I think if North Korea wasn't involved in this, there would not be a sanction. That's my take. And they say that on their website. They say, Tornado is being designated pursuant to EO 13694. And that law relates directly to the interests of national security. So, I mean, if North Korea is stealing half a billion dollars, where do you think that money is going to? It's going to their military. It's going to fund things that is going to directly hurt Americans and the national interest of America. I think that's what's not being talked about here. For sure, that might be true. I mean, I think that's 100% true. Like, it's going to affect American interests as North Korea gets more money that they could fund weapons. But you got to realize that, like, Axie Infinity that they hacked is not an American company. They're based out of, uh, I think, Philippines, I want to say. Um, so, and it's a lot of the protocols they have hacked was decentralized. So it's not like they're attached to a single country or entity. So it's like, if they're still going to hack, they're going to, North Korea could still use Tornado Cash because, you know, they, you know, Tornado Cash is not banned in North Korea. So they're still going to be able to hack other decentralized protocols or other, you know, projects, for example, and, and steal their funds and launder it through Tornado Cash. So while it's like good in theory what the U.S. government's doing, it's not going to really stop these hackers in North Korea from using Tornado Cash and hacking into protocols. Oh, the the point of these sanctions aren't to stop hackers and to stop North Korea. The point is to stop American involvement and American funds being associated with something like this. Yeah, I think it's it's to make it harder. It's not even to stop because there, you can't really. Yeah, it's just to make it harder for the average person to be able to do things like this, which is, again, use tools that are not necessarily used or created for legitimate purposes. Um, I want to I want to bring up uh, a point uh, from Forbes, an article from Forbes, a statistic. It's uh, according to the United Nations, it's estimated that between two percent and five percent of global GDP, so around one point six to four trillion dollars, is connected with uh, illicit activity and money laundering, which you know that's a significant number. So we're already seeing plenty of illegal activity with fiat currency. Um, and so, like, there, there's an issue there. So it's like people want to point fingers to tornado cash and and crypto, but it's like majority of the crime is uh, taking place with fiat currency. And to add to that, you know, why would you want security? Is you know, well, look at like already with banking transactions, that's pretty you know private, discreet. And then you, on even Venmo, when people a lot of people use, I mean, you could set your settings to private, and you know, it's only between you and the person you're transacting with that you'll see that that. Uh, you know, print of that transaction. So it's kind of like, you know, people already have private transactions on mainstream apps that we use daily. So it's like, you know, I don't, I don't see much difference. In my well, opinion. The, diff the, the difference is this, right? Like when the government comes in and sanctions something like Tornado Cash, it's not to eliminate privacy. It's more so they can get more of a grasp on where the money's flowing. Like when you talk about Venmo, obviously putting your privacy, that's your privacy settings versus your friends, your community people on them. It's not privacy settings against the government, right? The whole idea is that the government, like there's a number on every single dollar printed for a reason, right? 
is because they want to track where that money is going and how it's being spent in a sense. And that's why you have all these bank accounts connected to your social, so on and so forth. So with crypto, the thing that bothers the government or the reason why it can't be stopped is because there's no number on the currency to track, right? There's wallets that you can track and how much numbers they're bringing in and out. So to be in an authority power and you don't understand how much money is flowing in your state, in your country, in your system is an issue because then you can't really reflect on proper pricing uh, in the market, right? So again, when the US comes in and regulates something like tornado cash, it's because, hey, we understand there's a huge gap here where we're missing out on a lot of data that we don't know who and where is using this money, right? So they wanna do that to get a better grasp of like, okay, here's one aspect of where the money's flowing and here's how it's getting moved. But now the next step is like, okay, now how can we get more involved in the tracking of it? And that's what they're really trying to do, right? They're trying to track more of the money and understand where the money's going. Agreed. Next, uh, we can talk about, honestly, uh, NFTs. We can go into NFTs. Uh, Alex found crypto dickbots. That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, so Mo is, is our NFT guy. He's the NFT guy. He knows way more about NFTs than I do. And so when I came across, you know, I always check on OpenCC, what's trending, you know, what's pumping, whatnot. And I come across number one trending, crypto dickbots. Never heard of crypto dick bus. Just see the name; it's ridiculous. I click on it. It's the the art is is hilarious. It's it's comical, and I text Mo. I'm like, Mo, is this? Uh, please tell me this is just some you know meme that is just fake. And and I actually no. I, what I texted you was, please tell me Gary B is endorsing this and this is a legit project. And you said they actually are. And I was trying to be sarcastic and funny. I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? This is a real this is a real thing. And uh, and uh, apparently the artist who created this is like a famous like author or something. And of, of this art i mean mo you know a lot more about crypto dick bus than me but that, that's just from what i know <laughs> yeah that's just one project that's pumped uh i seen another project pumped today i think from like 0.03 to fucking one eighth which is like insane uh it's called rare pepe which is pepe is like the typical troll meme i don't know if you guys like that that green frog they call it pepe yeah so this project literally just pumped it's been around for quite a while i think just like new leadership i guess or new roadmap that they announced just allowed it to go bonkers uh my take on ft's current market honestly is they're trash <laughs> everything in the nft market right now is straight trash and obviously set aside like some of the blue chips but I think the future of NFTs is going to be like Pearson, Pearson University, for example, right? They just announced that they want to go ahead and attach NFTs to textbooks, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Let me just pull this up. Yeah. yeah, so Pearson is a publishing company. They're a pretty famous like textbook publisher. And they are looking into, they haven't said they're going to do this, but they said they're looking into using NFTs for textbook sales. I mean, there's three takeaways from that. One, my favorite, it actually shows the utility of NFTs and they're not just fucking meme shit, shit stirs or whatever the fuck we're having right now. 
there's utility there. You can get a textbook and have that be yours verified on the blockchain. You cut the waste of paper and production of a textbook. You cut the waste of it taking space in your tiny ass dorm room. And it makes it way easier to resell it once you're done with your course. You make some money from reselling it. Pearson makes a royalty off of that resale, which they don't have right now. It's a win-win for everybody. I think this is great news for NFTs. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, you know, was for most of my life a career academic. I, uh, you know, went to undergrad and then got my graduate. So I could tell you, I mean, I had countless books that I would buy and then I would be scrambling to find someone to take it off my hands and buy it. You know, it's like it's been a hassle. And if I didn't was able to sell it, then I would just, you know, simply throw it away or donate it, uh, if you will. Um, so this is this is huge because I think by offering this will even create a marketplace for these textbooks, which will allow, you know, even the, like you said, Parisa, to sell these books will make it a lot more efficient and easier to do. With NFTs, the future of them is going to be from web to companies and creators moving towards utilizing them for obviously a community first experience. So think about like web to companies like Netflix, StockX, Nike, for example, right? transitioning from regular subscription models into an NFT based subscription model, right? Like think about buying a specific NFT for Netflix, where the more you watch, you open up movies, for example, that are yet to launch. Like you get to watch something early or you get to attend a Netflix premiere or something like that. Right. Because the, the majority of subscriptions right now, well, not the majority, but all web two subscriptions are rented. They're not owned. Right. So with NFTs, the only thing you would change is, hey, as a subscriber, as a loyal customer, you get to own this uh, seat, so call it. And then when you're done with it, instead of just stopping and leaving, you actually can offer that seat to somebody else. So with that being said, again, I think those are the type of ideas that we're going to expect to see as the industry grows and i've said like this crazy take before like obviously we see now instagram uh allowing metamask and other wallets to integrate directly into the app i've said it like before like i think there's going to be a lot of opportunity where creators can launch their own nfts and help share the money that they're making with that actual community right like again think about like think about it for us for example c phrase daily will launch an nft and we'll say hey 500 of you guys or a thousand of you guys who always continue to support watch content do this and that are going to start earning some type of shares or uh, payback uh, every single year from being a loyal member and what does that do that allows us to grow obviously we build value for those holders those holders continue to engage with us and spread the word on our value and then they also get to earn money while learning so it's like a no-brainer and a win-win for everybody yeah, totally. I think one way to like really make sense of this, because I think for a lot of people, it's hard to conceptualize uh, sharing profits with your community. That's not like commonplace right now. And you're kind of thinking like, why would you even do that in the first place? I think gaming makes it make a lot of sense. Like right now, gamers, you just pay in to play and you get nothing back. Um with if you do nft gaming if you put on the blockchain then your gamers stand to earn something from being involved 
in your game. And it's like a mutually beneficial relationship where you help this company grow and they also benefit you monetarily by doing that. And I think that's going to be the new model in the next five, 10 years for successful businesses is by incorporating your main base into your, into your profits and your spreadsheets. I actually saw an interesting post by uh, NFT Kings. He actually was talking about AR and like filters for like Snapchat and Instagram, what people use. So like a lot of the people that create these filters never get any like monetary benefit or compensation for like they're creating it, but through like an NFT like filter. So basically all these content creators and influencers could be using these filters. And every time they monetize that, the original creator of the filter will get money as a result of the blockchain and also of the, the monetary. So it's like the, the rev share is able to be distributed accordingly. So I think it's really interesting how the utility of like a, a filter will eventually be used by like an Instagram that people will use a, will purchase a uh, filter from a, you know, creator, and then they'll be able to use it for their contents. And then every time the content does well and there's, you know, they get uh money for it, then, you know, those, uh, the original creator of the filter will also receive the compensation uh, via the blockchain. Yeah. Like think about how many girls would pay for like a face filter, like a lot, a lot of girls would pay for that. Can I, can I make a quick comment on that? Like I, I saw a video the other day about girls that are using these filters. Right. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's creating a total distortion of just, you know, what they really look like it's like it, it's it's crazy like i saw a video like someone sent it to me it's like the before and after and it's like it's, it's like how, it's crazy what technology could do these days really can't it's in, uh, you know totally different people it's like looking at two different people you never know yeah it's like 99 percent of online to be honest bro <laughs> it's literally 99 percent of the uh women online in that situation but that's a whole different conversation um I was just going to say something else. I forgot. Completely threw me off guard with that. Um, oh, here we go. Smart money. Smart money flowing into crypto. Okay. So $30 billion of crypto funding has been raised in 2022. Fun fact right there. $30 billion of it was raised during the whole year of 2021. What does that mean for us? Let me rephrase. 2022, so far, we're eight months in. $30 billion of crypto funding has been raised. 2021, total, during a bull run, we raised $30 billion. What does that mean? Smart money is flowing in. It's quiet. It's boring. It's diluted. So you don't really hear about it, right? But what's going on? The smart money is flowing in. Meaning... Um, Again, not to say that, like, this is the time where you want to learn more about the space so you can tell what's real and what's not. It doesn't mean necessarily that you have to come into the crypto space and say, hey, I want to go ahead and buy stuff because it's discounted. You just want to be able to position yourself in a place where you know what's going on. You know who the A players are. You know who the players that are available when times are tough. That way, when things are not as tough and there's a lot of noise and saturation, you're like, oh. You know what? I can see through that. And um, yeah, I think that's uh, one of the big things to take away as well as like from what's going on right now, because we talk about all the smart money selling and preparing themselves for whatever may happen in the in the near future here. But I think, you know, the, the numbers don't lie. Right. So when you hear numbers like this, again, when we match 
what we do in a, in a bear market with the whole year of a bull market in terms of funding coming into the space, it's like, okay, like this is serious, right? Or at least it's getting serious. So what do you guys think of that? Um, I was just going to say, I mean, when, when you see that much money come in and like you said, it's smart money. So it's not just like, you know, or the average Joe come in. It, it definitely just shows conviction in this space, regardless of the, the state of the markets. So it's, it just adds just to my conviction that, you know, when you see this, it just it shows that, th that we're, we're, we're getting closer to closer to, you know, real world application, mainstream companies coming in to use this. And it's, eventually going to be integrated to everyday society before we know it. So this is just the indicators of that. Yeah, I want to just go over some headlines of like where this money is coming from, some big name investors. So we know Meta has partnered with Coinbase and we know Instagram is doing their NFT uh, uh, integration in over 100 countries. Unfortunately, America is not one of them, but they're integrating. BlackRock has their Coinbase partnership. Binance and MasterCard partnered to do a crypto to fiat Binance card. Uh, Solana, Solana's NFT marketplace, Magic Eden, is adding in support for ETH, right? Gucci is accepting ApeCoin. Ticketmaster is expanding their NFT offerings. Tiffany & Co. just did an NFT-backed CryptoPunks pendant. Voyager Digital just returned $270 million to its customers. And Starbucks is set to unveil their Web3 initiative. And those are just some of the headlines of what's going on in this space. And I think, like you said, Mo, it's time to learn and position yourself. So while we're seeing all-time lows, while we're seeing red every day, while we're seeing these markets bleed out, we're also seeing retail, I mean, in, uh, institutional investment. We're also seeing an expansion of the landscape and the players that are inside of it. And that kind of is counterintuitive if you're new to the space. You don't understand how that works. But if you research these patterns... Like I said, it's it's institutional investors finding the best time to get in so that they're not paying a huge ticket price to get into this space. And they see the value in it. They understand it's going to be here long term. I mean, BlackRock doesn't just partner with crypto for fun. It's not a fad. It's definitely here to stay. And I think we should just take note of that and understand the market so that you can position yourself for when we do go back into a bull run, maybe in a year. And I got a message here for anybody and everybody who watches this. If you think crypto or NFTs are a scam, you are a complete idiot. 100%. Like the amount of money and smart people that are starting to look at this technology is unprecedented for it. Right? So instead of thinking and saying this is a scam because you've heard of somebody else, you need to reevaluate and see what part of it is a scam and what part of it actually makes sense. Because it solves a lot of real world problems and it helps advance the world in a way where it's currently stagnant right now. Right. And I don't need to say examples. Uh, I think it's pretty clear on those things. But if you want to say anything is a scam, like look at the obvious scams. Like I can easily say college is a scam. Why? I didn't go to college. I've accomplished a lot of things that college students wish to do. And I've met a lot of people who hire college graduates without having a college degree. Right. You pay a crazy amount of money that you don't even have to get an education to hope to get for a job that you probably won't even get or you probably will hate once you get it. Right. So it's like it's, it's really funny to see how 
a lot of people on the internet like here NFT or here crypto is like scam. Don't buy. This doesn't make sense. Oh, it's for money laundering. It's like this is literally the stuff that your friend who has no fucking clue what they're talking about has told you. And you're just being an idiot like listening to them because, hey, he got scammed. So I'm going to get scammed, too. I don't want to do anything with crypto. Like, no, this is literally your opportunity to be early for one time into a space where you're probably <laughs> never going to get like another opportunity like this ever again in your life. So, yeah, I think it's uh, something that had to be said. And I think it's really important for people who are watching or at least looking to get into the crypto space, just have more of an open mind on what to look for and how to look for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I talk to my friends and they know what I do now, they're like, you, you know, you know, crypto is a scam, right? And I think that just comes like people just want to listen to that first like bias that comes out. The media is biased. They say crypto is a scam, NFT is a scam because they want to get in on it first before you do. They want to be early. They don't want you to be early. Like you need to think about where you're getting your information. And when I ask my friends, you know, like, why do you think crypto is a scam? Most like the most common reason I hear from them is because they don't understand it. It's not tangible. You don't see it. You don't understand the computer code behind it, which you don't really need to anyway, but they just don't understand the infrastructure. And I think when people don't understand something, it's a lot easier to be like, fuck that. It's stupid rather than taking the time to learn it and understand it. But the people who do take the time are positioned to make a lot of money, are positioned to get good jobs. They're advancing their skill set. They're advancing their knowledge. Like you have nothing to lose by yeah, learning about crypto absolutely. and everything to And gain. it's like the rule of life, right? There's a lot more creators or there's a lot more followers than there is creators for a reason, right? Because it's only a small percentage of people that end up making a lot of money i guess in this in this sense because those are the people who go against the grain at the earliest time versus the mass adoption only happens at the latest time which is when it's too late when there's not as much opportunity so it's like you sit down you look at yourself in the mirror do i want to be an early adopter or do i want to be somebody who's following the trend right before it falls off and that's where we are right now I was just going to say that, you know, we're, we're so early. We're literally on chapter one. Like, I don't even think we're on chapter one, to be honest. I think we're like, what is it? Whatever comes before, like, chapter one, the introduction. Because, like, it's, there's so much to this space that needs to be defined. And technology hasn't even scratched the surface. It's really the tip of the iceberg. And there's, there's so much utility. And it's like, and like, to, to go on, to speak on your friends, priest, that say it's a scam. I think the only time that people like that will get involved in the space is when, a project or company similar to Apple in the regard that it's like user friendly, right? It's that it's just easy for anyone to use. And that's when people will get in. But like most said, it'll be too late by then. By the time it's so easy to use, it's secure. There's less scams. There's less hacks, better infrastructure. It'll be too late. Um, so I, I feel very blessed to be currently in this moment in this space, to be talking to you guys, to be learning, to even just be researching every day. While I have not to experience the money that I want to see, but I know that it will come just by being here, staying present, learning, and just, uh, just keep my head to the ground, you know, just being humble. And I feel like this is, you know, going to be the common trend that a lot of people will share to reach success yeah, when they just, just keep their head down, believe in the space, regardless of market condition, just constantly learn. <laughs> Alex, you want to make money? Just go ahead, short GMT. Buy and BNB? BNB and get ready to buy. Not financial advice, but <laughs> I'll just leave you with those two things.
the thing is, like, I'm, I'm a, like, there's, you know, it's funny, like, in NFTs, I'm a fucking degenerate. I, I, I make the dumbest, I made some really dumb decisions in NFTs, but when it comes to, like, actual trading the crypto markets, like, I'm very conservative. I have, like, my, you know, price allocation, my, my portfolio allocation, specific percentages that I just don't break. I just really stick with it, and I have my rules that I follow. Um, so... You know, I I like to think that long term, eventually, when I do have a large sum of cash, like that, you know, uh, risk management allocation will will do me well. You know, just because uh, I'm just gonna be able to manage just that much more capital in an appropriate manner. But in terms of NFTs, man, it's like fucking gambling. You know, I, I my 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 worst uh, <laughs> NFT purchase was an in betweener, and I literally bought it at the top, and you know, I just didn't do enough research. So you know, <laughs> a little story there. I, uh, I was, it's funny, right? Like, uh, random, right? But I was watching a, a video from, uh, Hermosi from acquisition and, uh, he was talking about, he was asked a question like, Hey, would you give up all the money you have now when you're like, I forgot what the question was, but I think it was something amongst the lines of like, Hey, when you're 40 years old, would you give up all the money you have now to like buy your time back essentially? Right? Like that's kind of the gist of the question. And he was like, knowing what I know now and having what I have now, I would 100% give it all away to be able to be present in the moment, right? And it's, it's hit me in a really good place because like I've made millions of dollars in this space and I've lost a few million as well. And I've now gone to the point where it's like, I really don't care as much about the money because I can easily say everything that I've wanted to get done, I've got done. Right. And now it's more so about just enjoying the journey and like just seeing how things unfold every day at a time. So it's like if you're here and like you've made money or you're only here to make money, like, sure, the opportunity is there. But I think before anything else, like just the people you meet, the experience you're going to have, the things you get exposed to is really where the value is. And just like appreciate that, you know, it's hidden, but it's there. No, all I was going to say is, you know, it's just like, you know, to add on to your point, it's like, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, everyone wants to make money. I feel like that's kind of just, you know, it it, de it definitely inspires people to be in this space because it's it's single-handedly the, the greatest way to achieve wealth very quickly. And there's not no other industry that has done this in the last 12 years. And that's a fact. Nothing has grown at this rate. Um, but you know, like yesterday, you know, Parisa, you were talking about how you're, you're you're on Twitter, you follow like a lot of the wrong people. And I sent you 20 different people that are significantly better. So adding on to most point, just having the right connections and, and people that, you know, you're networking with that provide good value and information. I think that's what's going to take you further. You know, obviously you could pick a few good coins or a few good projects that will make you a lot of money, but surrounding yourself with individuals that are intelligent and have just a good way of thinking will take you a lot further because it'll help you grow your mindset. And then as a result of that will eventually lead to you making more money. Yeah. If I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. If there's one thing everybody needs to know is making money requires you to be at the right time at the right place. That's it. That's all it takes to make money. So if you're at the right place with the right people at the right time, that'll happen. And you only get to that position when you actually empower yourself to be there. And until that happens, it's going to be a very difficult road for you. <laughs> so we'll leave it with that. Parisa, any uh, closing notes? Yeah, basically just don't be a fucking idiot sheep 
and think for yourself. Do some fucking research. It's not that hard. Watch a YouTube video while you're eating breakfast. Just expand your mindset. Challenge yourself. And don't be a troll in the comments like a fucking loser. <laughs> Easy. We'll wrap it up with that. Hopefully, you guys got some value out of this. Make sure you check out the links below. We're available on Spotify. Check out our newsletter. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.